Welcome back to the Saved and Savage podcast, where we try to inspire people of faith to live outside the norm. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different because, well, I'm actually the guest. A buddy of mine named Shane Graham is a professional voiceover actor. He also is a professional MC. He's worked some of the fights that I've been in over the past few years. And he asked me if he could interview me for his podcast. And I decided to use the audio from my podcast to give our audience a better look at who I am and why I am, all those kinds of things. So today we're going to be talking faith. We're going to talk fatherhood. We're going to talk about fighting. This is the Saved and Savage podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Today we are going toe-to-toe. With the fighter and father, a pastor and a podcaster, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Preston, the pastor of Disaster Hawker. How you doing, Preston? Hey, man, I'm doing great. I'm uh, staying busy during all this this mess um, and, you know, just having fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I want to get to, you know, we've we got a bunch of questions for you, but I want to start off with... Uh, but let's start off with first things first. Preston isn't your real name, is it? Is or well, is it? It's my middle name. So yeah, I go by my I go by my middle name. My first name is actually Richard, um, which is like a family name. There's a bunch of like Richards in my family, but uh, yeah, I was named after my great grandfather. Um, he was Richard Patsy Hawker, so we're very Irish in our family. And my uh-huh. parents wanted to name me after him. He was a really good guy, and they wanted to like kind of honor him so um they wanted to name me after him but we're not in ireland and they, they basically <laughs> assumed i was going to get made fun of if my name was patsy so they stuck with uh the initials kept the rph and replaced patsy with preston and preston kind of stuck so you know i'm i'm not upset about it okay i, I you know and and truth be told shane isn't my first name either uh, my first name is Adam, but I don't have a cool story like yours. Mine, uh, I guess, according to my mother, I was named after the Alan Ladd movie, Shane. Okay. Um, and I, I was initially named Adam uh, because that's uh, Hebrew, you know, of the earth, yep. big and strong. But she said when I was born, I was so tiny that the first thing that came out of her mouth was Shane. So, Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's my story. So I've always been known as Shane, too. I, I kind of like having two first names because then it really delineates you know when you get a sales call or something like that you know that this person doesn't know who you are like exactly mr you know so i kind of dig that so you spoke about your great-grandfather and i also mentioned that you're a pastor you have a congregation here in virginia beach correct tell us a little bit about that yeah so i'm uh i'm an associate pastor my dad is the lead pastor he used to be called the senior pastor but it's like the older he gets the the more he wants to be called lead pastor but um, so my dad is the lead pastor. I'm the associate pastor. And actually, my I've got a couple uncles that are pastors and my grandfather is still pastoring a church in Ohio. And my great grandfather, he um, he set churches up like all over like uh, Kentucky, I think it was. So I, I guess you could say like I'm a fourth generation um, pastor. So I don't know if it's a generational curse or if it's a blessing, <laughs> maybe a little column A, column B. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of people say, you know, like it runs in your family, I guess, you know, uh, generationally, but yeah. Okay. So you, you've got a lot of things that run in your family, obviously, you know, the, uh, 
the, the bloodline of Hawker, uh, the Italian, you know, uh, Preston, you know, uh, the Richards in your family. Yeah. Uh, yep. Your first name, like you said, is Richard. Uh, that's that's a lot of rich heritage. And you're a fourth generation pastor. Yeah. Another thing that you are as well at getting into the combat sports side of things. I remember the first time that I ever saw you compete. This was probably back in 2010, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was in 2010 at one of the modern gladiators fighting championships. Oh, yeah, um, man. Yeah, I know that that's taking us way back, <laughs> going way back. way back. You go in there and I was fascinated. I'm like, holy cow, this guy is a he's a legit pastor. I thought it was just a nickname at first until I started learning. And I'm like, whoa, this, no, this guy is a legit pastor. You first competed in 2010 in mixed martial arts. Uh, you stepped inside and outside of the cage over the years, uh, last competing in 2018. And. You also did some kickboxing as well for Glory at Glory Nineteen. Yeah, uh, talk about yeah, talk about your your upcoming and your roots and what really led you inside of the cage. Oh man, um, well I think I've always been like a protector at heart. You know, like just part of my personality. I'm a bit of, of a protector, um, so I always kind of felt like I could fight, but I never got in fights growing up. Like I've I've never really been in a, in a fight outside of like. You know, a little, like, wrestling match at the playground, you know, like... But I've never really been in a real, real, real fight. But I always kind of felt like a fighter. I always felt like I had it in me. Um, but I didn't really start training or anything until, uh, I guess, what year was it? Probably somewhere around 2006, 2008, I think, 2000. Somewhere around there, um, I had a, a friend that um, had been murdered. Um, I'm terrible with dates. If my wife was sitting here, she would tell me what I was wearing and exactly what day it was. But it has nothing to do with me getting hit in the head too many times. It's just like right, right. I'm terrible with dates. But um, so somewhere around, like, I think it was like 2006, 2007, somewhere around there, we were sitting in my in-law's house and um, a friend's name came up on the news. And this girl, she had a very, like, distinct name. And just out of respect for her family and stuff, I just kind of keep her name out of it. But just because I've never talked to them and asked them if I could share her story. But uh, totally essentially, like, she, her name came up on the on the news. And uh, long story short, she had been murdered by, like, an ex-boy, ex-boyfriend. And um, they had gotten together, and she found that he was a bit controlling. And she wanted to move out. She moved out. He caught her in a parking lot, had some words, shot her and then turned the gun on himself. And so like that kind of sparked something in me because I had never fought before, but I felt like a protector. I felt like I could fight. Um, like I had the mentality for it, but I think a lot of guys think they can fight, but don't really know if they can or not. And I wanted to know if I could, you know, like I wanted to like actually know. So I had a bit of like self-awareness in knowing that, you know, how can I know if I can do something if, if I've never actually done it? So, um, I, man, I just kind of threw myself into it. I actually started at Gustavo Machado, uh, jujitsu. Cause it's like just down the street from my church. Um, it's literally like maybe a two minute drive from my church. So I got started there. I was going to like noon classes. I was like eating it up. I was there for a long time. Then I started doing, um, I started doing like some striking with a guy that it was just really cool this guy came to my church he was he was like just a new guy and like we have this 
newcomers lunch that we were doing before quarantine and everything. And he showed up at a newcomers lunch, come to find out he was like a, a black belt on a bunch of different things. And he was just looking for a place to kind of hang and me and him just hit it off. And he just started training me. Then we had our first fight. Like I took my first fight just to see if I could survive a fight. It was less about like winning and losing and more of like, I've never done this before. I want to see if I'm going to fold, you know, like at the first sign of violence. So I threw myself into a fight. I probably should have never been in, not just because of like training, but like, you know, like modern gladiators back in the day, like everything is so like professional, even at the amateur level. I mean, you go to like a Spartaca event and that's, they are more professional than a lot of professional events that are out there. And, but, but modern gladiators, um, you know, it was just, it was just grassroots. It was in a, like a ballroom. Like you, you've been to, you went to the events. It was in it was a ballroom. Surf side in. Yeah, yeah. That it's named something else now. I think it's like four seasons or something, but it was at like yes. a ballroom. There were no warm up areas, you know, but like I end up long story short, like again, um, I was fighting a guy that was bigger than me. I shouldn't have been. We weren't even really in the same weight class, but the guy that I was supposed to fight supposedly like backed out the week of and, I was committed to fighting, so I took this guy, this last-minute replacement, who was just way too big. Um, but I had a blast. I lost a split decision. I actually learned one that I could fight. Um, I, I like, I guess I learned something about myself. Put in a bad position with a guy that's bigger that I shouldn't be fighting with. I can survive. Number one. Number two. I actually liked it. It was fun. I liked the competition of it. Um, I liked the adrenaline rush. I liked the camaraderie, even after the fight. Like a lot of people don't understand, like the camaraderie. Camaraderie. I gotta get that word out. That happens between like two guys that just tried to punch his face, each other's faces off. You know, a lot of the times when it's done right, those two guys end up walking out of the cage. You know, friends rather than enemies. And I've got so many of those kinds of stories with opponents. Like Mike Pagano, man, I love that guy. And we've tried oh, yeah. to, we've tried to knock each other's teeth out, but like, <laughs> but like, he's, he's such a good guy. I, I, you know, I'm talking to him all the time. And so that's how I got started from kind of a place from trauma, but I kept going because I found out that I really like it and I, I enjoy myself. Cool. Now, but even before that, uh, another part of your rich family history uh, was wrestling. Yeah. Even before you stepped inside of the cage, talk right. to us a little bit about that and how far back that goes. Um, all my uncles wrestled. My dad wrestled. Um, you know, I started wrestling in middle school. I didn't really wrestle so much through high school because it really becomes a job. And uh, I knew that I, at that point in my life in high school, I wrestled in my freshman year of high school. But um, at that point in my life, like I knew that I wanted to work in the church. I knew that like there was a, you know, the term that a lot of Christians use, like a calling in my life. Like I really felt like I was called to be a pastor. I didn't really feel called to be a wrestler. And so I, when I was kind of faced with this decision of you can really kind of only do one, you can't do both because commit the commitment for the wrestling team where I was at the school that I was at, like, it was just so high. Like we were getting to school at like 6am training for like a morning practice and then we had practice right after school until 7 seven thirty sometimes and I've got church that I'm, I'm I'm a part of I'm like part of youth group and like all these different ministry teams and I it came to a point where I had to choose one and um, I you know ended up choosing church but which I 
and on one side, it kind of feels like a little bit of a, a regret. Not that I feel like I made the wrong decision, but I regret having to be put in the position that I had to make a choice. Um, but, you know, I stuck with wrestling, going to clubs and stuff like that um, through high school. And um, so I was still able to, like, kind of stay active. But my dad wrestled. My uncles wrestled. Like, I got into wrestling because my dad told me all these stories, like all his, like, you know, war stories from middle school and high school wrestling, you know, like breaking the guy's leg with, with uh, you know, he's going for a low single. The guy's trying to kick out. He lifts it. The guy, you know, his knee goes the wrong way. I'm like, Oh, that's so amazing. <laughs> but, uh, so not that I want to break anybody's legs, but like you want to, like there's a certain part of me that wanted to be in that kind of, that kind of a fight, you know? So, kind of dreamt about it until I was old enough to do it. And then I just kind of ran with it, which I think is a big reason I've had any amount of success in fighting is because, you know, wrestling is that base. Um, I think anybody getting gets getting started in wrestling or getting started in fighting ought to start with wrestling, get that good base, even more than jujitsu, like being right. able to take somebody down and keep them there and put them in a position you want them to be in. Um, gives you like a little bit of a step ahead of everybody else. Mm -hmm. And and I, I know that you mentioned uh, kind of your calling to the church yeah, and almost feeling, you know, it wasn't really a sense of regret, but it seems like you've been able to combine those two loves, uh, your love of the church and your love of competition, as well as, you know, preaching the gospel, teaching others and teaching others the art of wrestling and combat sports. You have a fight club in the church, don't you? Yeah, we haven't been able to train through uh, quarantine, but yeah, we've trained a number of fighters right at the church. Um, I did Army Combatives training for Fort Story years ago, and when they shut down their program, they actually gave me the mats, which was incredible. Um, so before then, I had some mats, but these are just so much better. Um, but yeah, we've got everything that, that you would expect to have out of any other um, martial arts gym. We've got tie pads, heavy bags. Kick, kicking pads, like everything that you can think of. Um, so we've trained a number of fighters, but typically my goal is I run it like more like a club. And if somebody really wants to fight, I'll help get them uh, to like, I'll help them get to them to like a specific level where they can get through like their, maybe their first or second fight. And then what I really like to do is connect them with a gym that's local that I think is going to help them soar even more. Cause I'm realistically, I'm not, trying to be a, a full-time gym. I'm just trying to help people kind of test the water, see if it's something that they really want to do and then kind of help, help people fly, you know? So like I get people connected to other gyms, Eastside Muay Thai. Um, my boy, Josh Hartman is incredible. One of the best uh, yes. Thai um, coaches there is, you know, uh, Harvey Grassy Muay Thai. You know, he's, Absolutely. he's, uh, I mean, that guy talking about glory kickboxing, I couldn't have had a better coach specifically for that style of fighting that uh that style of kickboxing i mean if if you want to learn really good muay thai and especially really good like dutch style um that k1 style there's no better place to go than harvey grassy so i i try to connect people with other gyms you know even you know team x i've had some good guys over there um you know i love i love coach x he's got great wrestling that works for fighting and it it shows because he's got so many good fighters that he trains. So uh, I just try to connect and, people. 
Yeah, and, and usually, you know, the names that you mentioned, these are people that have been on the circuit for some time and have had a lot of sex, you know, yeah. uh, success. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, like you said, Coach X, Harvey Grassi, yeah. Diego Bispo, Team Gustavo. Yeah. Uh, brilliant, brilliant coaches, brilliant, brilliant teams. Yeah, I mean, we've got so, so much talent in this area. It's absolutely insane. So much talent. Um, yeah. Not just, like, current competitors but the coaching talent is just i mean it's flooded in this area so many great great guys so much experience um you know on both sides of the game when it comes to like tactics and technique like what you need to do when you get in the cage to like the business side of it people that can help manage you and help get you to the whatever level that you're wanting to get to professionally like there's there's so many good guys and they're all like really not just good coaches but good people too. I really like all these people as well. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing I love about this community. Uh, you have some absolute killers in there, at, for yeah. lack of a better term. I yeah. mean these and these are these are not people that just you know wake up one day and say, hey, you know what? I got into a couple street fights. I want to go in there inside of the cage and punch somebody in the face. So this <laughs> yeah. is actually, you know, and that's what a lot of people miss is yeah. they see, oh, just a couple guys punching each other in the face. But no, the amount of training and dedication and hard work that goes into it. And it's not about beating up your opponent. It's, it's like you said about testing yourself. Yeah. And, you know, it's a one-on-one sport. Yeah. Um, you know, once that cage door closes, it's just you – your opponent and the referee to make sure that everything is kosher and stuff like that. Exactly. So you've trained or excuse me, you fought on some of the biggest stages in glory kickboxing. You've done kickboxing. Uh, you've done mixed martial arts. Uh, you've obviously done the wrestling. You have a, a, a club inside of your gym. Yeah. So what's next as far as the combat sports thing? I see you're, you still stay active. You know, I've seen your videos on Instagram where you're hitting the heavy bag in your garage and, you know, just staying active. What's next for Preston Hawker? I don't know, man. Like you see, I do hit the heavy bag a lot right now. Like uh, I'm working out at least like five days a week. I'm not in a gym anywhere, um, which isn't too abnormal for me. Um, My coaches know a lot. I mean, I stay really busy. I stay super busy. So I don't always, (laughs) I genuinely don't always have time to like go to a specific gym and stay committed to that gym outside of, you know, eight weeks of a uh, fight camp. But my coaches do know that like uh, I, there's nobody that pushes me harder than me when it comes to like fitness and staying in shape and, you know, pushing myself to become faster and stronger, all those things. Um, so like I stay in somewhere close to fight shape. Uh, I might get like around the holidays, I might put on some extra pounds, but I'm pretty good at like really pushing myself and staying in shape. I had a, like a new year's resolution, uh, for 2020. I wanted to compete three times. I didn't know if I was going to do, I was thinking maybe like do some jujitsu, uh, no gi, which I, cause Man, I just can't get into the gi. I tried it for so long when I was at Gustavo Machado's place. I tried it for a while, and man, I just can't. Get, I can't get down with the gi. <laughs> but I wanted to uh, compete, you know, three times this year, and um, then you know, shutdown came, quarantines came, and so that kind of stopped that. Um, so I'm actually looking at maybe doing like some obstacle course races just so I can try to like 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 i don't know hit some of those notches so i can try to maybe 
finished that whole like I competed three times in in 2020. Okay. Uh, I know Spartan race. Spartan races are going to be happening towards the end of the year, so I might try to jump on a couple of those. If I can get in like a nogi jiu-jitsu um, competition, I'd probably go for it. Um, I haven't really been wrestling or, or rolling with anybody, so it would be super ugly, but <laughs> I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty committed when I try to make like when I make like resolutions, I'm pretty committed to trying to like see them through. So I'm not done fighting. I've had people ask me, are you like, are you done fighting? I'm not done at all. Um, I, I really like connecting, um, my competitions to like charities and things. So, um, I, so if something like that, if uh, like my last fight was to, help raise money for um, the Ukrainian orphan project. It used to be called Victor's voice. They changed the name, but um, if I could connect with them again and because they're doing such great work still uh, that same family, that family that adopted the one girl that I was uh, raising the money for in my last fight, they're actually getting ready to go pick up two new girls that uh, they're able to adopt. They've been able to adopt throughout, you know, this whole pandemic, this whole crisis. They're still like, doing stuff from home and like, so they're actually gearing up. I just talked to the mom like two days ago. Uh, so I talked to Cindy. Yeah, she was actually, she was actually on my podcast, but um, talked to Cindy a couple days ago and they're getting ready to go pick up these two new girls, which is incredible. So if I could do something to help raise money for that, I would, I would totally jump on it. Um, so I'm not completely done yet. I'm just 35. So um, I know that typically, Fighters have short shelf lives, but I haven't been hit in the head too many times. I get hit kind of very rarely, unless the last night na- the last name of the other guy is Pagano. I don't get hit very much. <laughs> but... That was that was a fight. That was a fight of legend. I, I've gone back and watched that fight more have than you? once. Yes, yes. I, oh, I love man. Mike. Mike's Me a great too. guy. He's such a good very guy. Very happy for him and in uh, Tara. Mm-hmm. Tara. Yeah. Yep. No. Graph. God bless it. I, I had that whole thing. Because I remember one fight. There was a uh, Tara, Tara yeah. Tiny Tara Graph. Yeah. She was fighting Kara Boyle, and I had to, you know, okay. So oh Tara yeah. Kara or Kara. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, they're a really great couple. Yeah. Speaking of great couples, your lovely wife Lindsay. She is lovely, man. <laughs> oh my God! You just. If, if you've ever had the opportunity and the pleasure to meet your wife, she's one of the nicest people. Uh, and now you both have a daughter. Tell us about that. When did you first meet your wife? I met my wife when I was a sophomore in high school. She was a freshman. And um, ironically enough, I was in a musical. So I like, like when I was in high school, I was in like all the choirs and like doing all the like the musicals and stuff. Which is so funny because it's so like kind of contrasting to what most people think of when they think of like mixed martial arts and like fighters and stuff. They think of like, I don't know, hyper masculine guys, which I guess I'm not, I don't, I don't think I'm hyper masculine, but I'm fairly masculine. But still, like I did musicals and things. And um, she saw me in a musical. The whole story, which is really funny, is she was a dancer. So she was like big into like ballet and stuff. And uh, she heard me singing because she was in the, like in the audience, she heard me singing and um, she like kind of was thinking out loud and said, Oh, I wonder who that guy is. 
and my buddy was sitting next to her, like right in front of her, something like that. And he, he like said, oh, that's Preston Hocker. But she heard Hockter with a T. And <laughs> because, because she thought my name was Hockter, that, that name at the time was like a big name in the dance community. So she was like, oh, he's a dancer. We'll have all this in common. Like, <laughs> so she, which I don't like, I don't dance at all. I don't, I don't know anything about like ballet, but because she thought I I was something I wasn't, that was kind of like the first, my first in with her was she thought I was going to be like into dance and stuff, but she ended up uh, falling in love with me anyway, still loves me. We've been married for, you know, going on 16 years. Um, so yeah, we've been together forever, man. Like, so, so let's back up and do the math. You said yeah. you're 35 yeah. and you've been married 16 years. Almost. October will be 16. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. We got married. I was 20 years old. Wow. Yeah. I know. Like, <laughs> we were crazy. I, 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 well, no, that's, that's even better than that. That's, you know, it, when you put all the pieces of the puzzle together, it's just, it's an amazing story and makes you and your wife such an amazing story and you and an amazing individual. I mean, you fourth generation pastor, uh, your wrestling is in your, you know, in your family. You, you, you married your wife at a young age and have been married for so long. You have a beautiful daughter now as well. Man, that's she's a, a new so addition. awesome. Yeah. She's so much fun and she's, She's just as pretty as um, I could ever even imagine. Like, she's got these amazing blue eyes, which is incredible because neither my wife yes. nor I have blue eyes. Um, uh -huh. She gets that from my wife's grandma had blue eyes. So it was like uh -huh. a very small percentage of a chance that she was going to have them. But she's got these gorgeous blue eyes. She's just as smart as she can be. She's about to turn three, but she counts in like four languages. Um, wow. she like, she speaks some French. She's like smarter than me already. Like she, she's, she's just a genius. I mean, I think a lot of parents think their kids are like really smart, but like mine really, really is. So, um, mm -hmm. but she's so funny. Like she says the, the funniest things she's got like great comedic timing. Um, just so funny. She's so, so funny. We tried for like 10 years. To, to have her too. That's kind of a backstory that a lot of people don't know. So we tried for a real long time. Um, and if anybody ever like follows my Instagram or my wife's Instagram, she, my wife's so much better at it. Her pictures are way better than mine, but uh, you'll notice that we like to travel and that all happens yes. from like when we couldn't get pregnant, we decided we would give ourselves like a consolation prize every year. We didn't have a kid we would go on some trip because we knew once we had a kid, we'd have a hard time going on these big trips. So we decided to go on trips and um, we like started with England and we did Paris. And then every year we just pick a spot. And normally we pick a spot that just happens to be not so expensive that year. <laughs> That's kind of how we like, <laughs> we, we like my wife goes on these apps and finds like where the cheapest place is to fly. And out of all the cheap places, we pick one. So uh, we've been to a bunch of really cool places and now we just kind of travel with her. So like my daughter has a passport and um, she's gone to a bunch of places already and uh, it's just fun. We try to like just stay living life, you know? You betcha. You betcha. How is, and, and I know how it, you know, my daughter is going to be 20 here in October. Um, and I remember how it was for me when my daughter was born. It, it, 
totally changes your life. I mean, your perspective on life changes. I just, I I don't know. It's like a switch is hit and you just start looking at things differently. Yeah. How has this affected you? Uh, You know, being a father now, all of a sudden you're, you're kind of coming full circle. Yeah. um, How's it affected me? Like, I don't know. Um, I I, I don't know. I've wanted to be a dad for so long. Like I was ready to start having kids like, like the year after we got married. So I wanted to be, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to be a dad for a long time. I think part of it is I've got such a great relationship with my own dad that I kind of wanted to have that kind of experience from the other side of the table. Um, it's and I was a little afraid, if I'm honest, I was a little afraid of, to be a dad of a daughter, um, because like I, I don't know, it was it's just different. It was like something I'd never had to do before. But, man, I agree. I, but now that I've got a daughter, I don't even know how I would be with a son. Like, I don't even know what it would, if I, if it would be the same, I would, if it would be a little different, like I'm a coach. So like, sometimes I'm afraid I'd be like too tough on it. If I had a son, like I'm gonna be too tough on him or something. I don't know. Interesting. So do you see your daughter kind of going down the, maybe the path that you did? Uh, are you going to start her in, you know, combat sports uh, self-defense and I things am, of that nature. I am so sexist. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to admit it, but I, I really, she's so pretty. I don't want her to fight. Okay. I, I want her to learn how to, I want her to learn how to like defend herself. And she yes. is, she is a firecracker. So my wife is yeah. Italian and redheaded and I've never had to teach her self-defense, but I'm fairly certain uh, she can handle herself without a single lesson. And my daughter doesn't fall very far from that tree in that like funny, funny story. When she was like 18 months old, we were at, um, at a, like a little playground in Lenhaven mall. Um, they've got this like little playground right outside, like the Barnes and Noble. And, um, she was playing and this little boy kept coming up to her, like trying to give her a hug. She's only 18 months old. Right. And she's, so she's, walk in like running kind of but uh this boy keeps running up to her and she's she told him no and she like walked away and i'm not a helicopter dad at all like i like to watch and let her like figure her stuff out let kids figure it out on their own if they need help if somebody like steps out of line then parents step in but i like to let her just kind of deal with it if she can learn how to deal with it when she's like 18 months old then like maybe she'll be better at it when she's like in elementary school and she's having to deal with like real bullies and stuff. So this boy won't leave her alone. And he walks up to her and I notice he try he's trying to kiss her. He leans in to give her a kiss and she like pulled this punch from her back pocket. Like she, <laughs> she, she hit this kid so hard. He fell like a tree. Boom. And like, so I run over. Part of me is thinking, Oh, that's so amazing. <laughs> what a great punch. Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be scolding her or what. And then I look up and this this little boy's mom comes running over. And luckily she spoke up before I said anything because I had no idea what I was going to say. But she was like, don't worry about it. He deserved it. He got what he got. What he got. Like, oh, thank God. But like, that's kind of yeah. her thing. Like, I think she's going to enjoy it. She, um... She's in the room most of the time when I'm wrestling. So I, when I'm teaching like a, a wrestling class or um, a, like a private lesson, she's in the room. 
she goes for uh she goes on runs with me like every morning i've got a jogging stroller and like she thinks it's her job to tell me when to slow down or when to speed up because i do like interval runs so like right I'll, I'll jog walk sprint and so she thinks it's her job to tell me when to walk and sprint and um so she's like kind of a part of the whole thing she uh she really enjoys it and um I just don't, I'm not sure. I I wouldn't mind if she wrestled, especially because girls wrestling is really mm-hmm. on the rise right now, and um, yes. lots of colleges are picking it up. Um, and so, like, if she wanted to wrestle, I think that would be cool. Um, I just don't want her to get punched in the face. <laughs> and okay. I maybe maybe I'll just like hook her up with uh, Miranda Maverick or Tara or something like that. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I've got That's some a great idea. I've got some female uh, wrestlers too from like. Uh, that I've I've coached over the years that like Rika, um, uh, Rika Busa, she's she's a phenomenal wrestler. She's uh, actually back in Hungary now. She's actually like a, an Olympic hopeful for 2024. She's just uh, like in eighth grade right now, but she's already catching eyes. Um, so maybe we'll hook her up with her for like wrestling. I'll have to like tag Rika in this when it posts. <laughs> And do you see your daughter eventually becoming a part of the church uh, and taking a more active role in that, similar to how you have under the tutelage of your own father? Well, I, you know, if it comes to just being a part of the church, 100%, I hope so, because that's kind of like kind of our, our call. You know, everybody as a Christian ought to be an active member of the body of Christ. So like the church is the the physical body of Christ because Christ is gone. So like the the church has to be hands and feet and noses and mouths. You know, we, we have to be the active body of Christ. And if we aren't doing things, then essentially Christ isn't doing things in a way. So um, I expect that she'd be an active member of the, the body of Christ. However, um, I don't know that I would wish that she uh, kind of like makes a career out of it works if that's her job you know i don't know if i would hope that on her because man it it kind of is a lonely road sometimes um because especially like i don't know it's it's a lonely road sometimes because some people think they have to be somebody they're not because you're a pastor or something so like a lot of times i don't mind telling people that I or not telling people that I'm a pastor until they've known me for like a month or so. And then they're like, Hey, by the way, what do you do? I'm like, Oh, I'm a pastor. Like, Oh man, I'm so sorry for X, Y, and Z. I'm like, don't, don't apologize to me for being real. You know, I'd rather people be real. I'd rather hear the, the bad words, you know, like, and just, I just embrace like realness, you know, vulnerability, transparency, all that stuff. Um, and because I like real people and real friends and I don't want people to be my friend because they think they're going to get to heaven out of it, you know? Uh, so I don't know if I'd want her to work in a church, but if that's what she wants to do, I've, I've got like, I've got lots of experience and, um, be able to like kind of walk her through that as well. Fascinating. Fascinating. And if anybody wants to learn more about pastor, or excuse me, Preston, the pastor of disaster, go out and find a movie called Fight Church. Oh, man. Uh, that movie was produced in 2014. And uh, you kind of go into a depth a little bit more about, you know, your consolidation of faith and fighting. Yeah. So uh, that movie was a while back. Um, yeah, that, 
that whole movie was just they followed what like four pastors that were either competing or had previously competed in mixed martial arts and i happen to be one of them um but yeah we just like looked at mixed martial arts specifically as a sport and whether or not christians ought to be doing it and most specifically pastors um if they should be competing and training and supporting it um so yeah it's kind of in depth they uh i there's a couple of my fights on there actually fighting mike on that on that show but um yep. yeah it was a and fun experience the film. yeah yeah it was a it was a fun experience overall yeah, that was that was a that was a cool experience. I, I was glad to have a a small part of that in saying that this is pastor versus pastor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You did say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I. <laughs> so yeah. I've touched on the fighter and the father. I've touched on the pastor, but what about your latest passion, podcasting, the Saved and Savage podcast yes. with Preston Hawker? Talk to us about that. Well, you know, I've been wanting to do a podcast, or I'd, I guess I could say I've just been feeling like I should be doing a podcast for a while now. Um, and then everything got shut down, and the Holy Spirit told me, you know, there are a lot of people out there that like are looking for something to listen to, and now is the time to do a podcast. So, uh, man, I had no idea what I was doing, and I know, I now know a little more than nothing um, about podcasting, but I'm I just keep learning keep messing up and trying to do it better the next time, you know, with everything from audio to social media to everything. But, um, it's been really fun. Like really, it's been a really cool experience. Um, I've gotten to talk to some of the really like big names in our sport. You know, I got to talk to Rory McDonald. He was my first ever interview, which was nerve wracking. Um, but, you know, God told me to go after big names. He wanted me to build the audience from the top down, not the bottom up. And the the Holy Spirit was just telling me, go after these bigger names first before you go after little names. And so I was like, all right, what's the worst thing that happens? I write all these people and nobody responds. That's like the worst thing that happens. I guess worse would be they tell me, no, you're stupid. And like, <laughs> like you have no business doing a podcast. But even then, like I've words have never really hurt me too much, especially from people that I don't know. So I was like, Oh, whatever. I'll just throw it out there. So I messaged a bunch of people and Rory was the first person to like respond to me. Like, yeah, let's do it. And so I thought the worst thing that would happen was he would say no or not respond. Then I experienced the terror of having to like write questions and put my stuff together and like then interview somebody that I've watched fight, you know, a dozen times and put on the I put this guy on a pedestal because he's like one of the best to ever fight in the 170 division. And like now I'm talking to this guy face to face and asking him questions. And now, like, I've got all these things like what happens if this goes wrong? What if my Wi-Fi shuts down? <laughs> what if all these things go wrong and I'm having to, like, work through it. But, you know, it's been fun. I've talked to him. I've talked to Benson Henderson. Um, some names that other people might not know so well, but a guy named Tony Blower. I've been following him for a long time. He's a like a self-defense guy that I've been following since before I ever started fighting. Just tons and tons of people um, that I've been able to talk to and get to know. And, 
hear their stories and get their take on things. Like we've got, like I talked to uh, Art Jemerson. He fought in the first UFC. And so we're trying to like put together uh, like a, a series of shows with all of the guys from UFC one talking to all these different guys. Um, so it's been a really good experience overall. I have no idea what like the end game is. Um, but I know like beyond the podcast, we're trying to build a, a community of believers who are living outside the norm, like doing things that are difficult, not letting fear control our lives. And in a way, me doing the podcast is kind of like trying to be an example for everybody else that has things in their lives that they want to be doing. You know, I, I tell my followers, um, you know, f- fire, ready, aim instead of ready, aim, fire. You know, <laughs> like that's kind of how I started this. <laughs> That's kind of how I started this podcast was, you know, just pull the trigger. If you miss, like reassess where you need to be shooting and then, you know, try to aim a little better and then pull the trigger again and then reassess. And like, just keep, keep pulling the trigger. Eventually you'll, you'll hit your target. And some people might not like that. Um, it's not like the perfect solution to, to starting any business, but I think more often than not, if we'd be willing to just pull the trigger, um, we'll probably be all right. And I think some people, they just spend way too much time aiming and they never pull the trigger. So I think for some people, pulling the trigger sooner than later is going to be better. So that's kind of how I've arrived where I'm at. Yeah, it's, I, I hear that a lot, uh, especially a lot from my coaches, too. They say, you know, the hardest part of, of training anything is stepping on the mat. Yeah, you know, you can sit and overanalyze it and think about it all day long, but until you actually do it, uh, you're, you're you're not going to get that experience. Brilliant yeah. insight, love that man, yeah. love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today hey, on you. the Toe to Toe VO podcast, uh, Preston. I look forward to hearing more of uh, of your Saved and Savage podcast offerings and uh, see what happens for you in the future. And man, I'm excited for you, and I am grateful and honored to say that I know you and I've announced some of your fights and just knowing you as a person and seeing you as an inspiration as well. Hey, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you. Yeah, so do I, buddy. Thank you so much, man. I'll talk to you again next time. All right. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Saved and Savage podcast. I recently realized that I've got some subscribers from all around the world. We've got some in Australia and South Africa, Guatemala, Kuwait, just literally all over. If you're one of those subscribers, I really want to talk to you. If you could DM me on our Instagram at Saved and Savage, I'd really appreciate it. Also, if you haven't already rated or reviewed us on Apple, please take the minute that it takes to drop some stars and give a couple little comments. Anyway, thanks again for listening. We'll be dropping another episode this upcoming Tuesday. Have a great week. Be blessed. Stay savage.